Amen and amen. What is this rest? We've entered into the shalom of God. Hallelujah. Kataposis in the Greek, which means reposing down. In, in the Hebrew, Hebrew root, it means an abode. The rest of God is the abode of God. Hallelujah. You've entered into the abode of God, the place of total provision. Remember, when God made the garden in the east, he furnished it with everything and placed man there. Hallelujah. And he asked him to till the ground and tend the garden. In the same way, when we believed, we entered the garden of the Lord, who is Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. In him, all manner of provision that we seek is made available. That is why the Bible says that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with all manner of spiritual blessings. In Christ Jesus. The key is Christ Jesus because Christ is the rest of God. Christ is the abode of God, the meeting place of God and man. And we which have believed, believe what? Believe the gospel. Over the past three or four weeks, we have been dealing with um, the book of Romans and we have been seeing the gospel as Paul makes strong arguments explaining what the gospel really is and what it is not and how it relates to man. We that have believed the gospel, the testimony of God concerning who Jesus is and what he has done in him for us, we have entered into rest. Hallelujah. Somebody say with me, I am in the rest of God. I am in the rest of God. Talk to me again. Say with me, I am in the rest of God. I am in the rest of God. Hallelujah. Look at, look at what follows in Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 3. It says, As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. All the works of God was finished from the foundation of God, from the foundation of the world. That means all things that needed to be done to secure the rest of mankind has been done by God. All man has to do is to believe, is to believe, is to believe in whom God has sent. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. And it doesn't really end there. After you have believed in Christ, now you've entered the rest, you begin to explore the rest of God. You begin to explore. You, the Holy Spirit takes you on an exploration to, to see and to come to an understanding and a knowledge of all the provisions God has made available to you in Christ Jesus. And that is what we are exploring now in the book of Romans as we talk about the gospel and its implications for us. So we go to Romans chapter number 5, verse 1. We are continuing from chapter 4 as we concluded last week. It says, therefore, remember in verse 4, Paul points out how that through faith we receive justification. How that Christ resurrected for our justification. He was crucified for our sins, but he was raised for our justification. We said justification means to be rendered innocent and free. One without innocent. It comes from the Greek word dikaio, to render just or innocent. And it is only God who is the justifier of the wicked. Hallelujah. Because he paid the price for our sin in Christ for us. And he resurrected. He died in his death. He ended the old man in Adam. And when he resurrected, he began a new race of men. This new race of men are the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, 
the peculiar people set apart by God to display his perfections and his beauties. Hallelujah. This new race of men. There are only two races of men in this world. There's nothing like black, white, and all that. There is only two races of men. Regenerate and unregenerate. Believers and unbelievers. Hallelujah. The old men in the old Adam and the new man in the last Adam. Hallelujah. Or the second Adam, if I may say. That is Christ Jesus. This is the power of justification. And what has that made possible? Look at it, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this peace? It comes from the Greek word irene. That is to be joined together with, to be joined as one together with someone, or to set at one again by implication, prosperity. For example, let me explain this there. We, we've explained what irene is before. Irene, the peace of God, we are talking about being set at one with God again. And we've used this classic analogy to explain this before. If America and Iraq, at loggerhead, there is no peace, there is no irony between them. They keep fighting each other, they keep bombing each other, they keep lying in wait for one another to destroy each other. But the moment they come to the place of irony and there is peace between them, they are set at one again. There is an accord between them. They no longer fight each other, rather they come together, they work together for prosperity. They help each other. They support each other. They now become allies. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. The sinner is an enemy of God. Hallelujah. But through justification by faith, we are at peace. We have peace with God. That is, we are one with God again. God and I are no longer on loggerheads. You understand? There is no bad blood between God and I. God is not out to get me. Hallelujah. There is peace. And by that implication, it means there is prosperity. The relationship between myself and God is a prosperous one. Because I'm set at one with God again. And I am quieted in his rest. God is not out looking to catch me, trap me. God is not out to get me. There are some believers with this mindset that God is out to get them. God is just looking for that, that one slip, that one thing they would do, and that's it. He's just going to destroy their lives. He's just going to take away all his blessings from their lives. That's the mindset of certain believers. But through justification by faith, we are at peace with God. That is, God is for us. He seeks our goodwill. Hallelujah. He seeks our betterment. Hallelujah. He seeks our prosperity. That is, he wants us to do well. He is for us. He's the one that heals us now when we are hurt. Hallelujah. He's the one that now provides for us when we lack. Amen and amen. We are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so important that the believer comes to understand that he's at peace with God. I'm at peace with God. So I don't have to keep looking over my shoulder. Irrespective of whatever happens in my life, I never for one entertain the thought that maybe God is out to get me. Maybe God is trying to punish me. Maybe because of this I did, because of that I did, God is out to get me. No, you are one with him now. He defends your cause. He's your advocate now. He speaks for you. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. God is for you. Say with me, God is for me. Hallelujah. God is for you. 
is for you. That's why we say, if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. God is not against you. You are on God's side. I don't like to say God is on our side. Rather, we are on God's side now. Amen and amen. We are peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 2. It says, by whom also, talking about Jesus, we have access. This is the second blessing. We have peace with God. We've explained what that means. And then now it says, we have access by faith. Access, prosagoge. Access, prosagoge. Access, prosagoge. What that means is we have admission. We have a clear path by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. The other great blessing that Christ by his resurrection has made possible is that it has given us access into this grace wherein we stand. Remember what the grace of God is. The grace of God is the unmerited favor of God as we say, but it's even much more than that. We've said that grace is a person, it is Christ Jesus. That even more so in this context, we are standing in God's favor. Here, the grace used here in this context is God's unmerited favor. Where God's heart abounds towards me, not because of anything of myself, but because of his own volition. He has decided in himself to show me abundance of favor. Hallelujah. I am favored of God. Amen and amen. I have access by faith into this grace, into this favor. The Bible says, and Noah found grace in the sight of God. In the same way, in Christ, we have found grace in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You found grace in God's sight. It is a, it is a favor in which we stand. And because of that, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. That means that God's glory will be manifested in our lives. We shall see the glory of God in our lives. Hallelujah. In hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. We have access. Access into this grace. Into this grace. Into this grace. Access into this grace. The fullness of God's favor. That God is in a place where he's pleased with you. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we are accepted in the beloved. This grace makes you accepted by God. God accepts you. He's welcomed you. Hallelujah. You are one of his. Amen and amen. That is why you can boldly declare, I belong to God. That is why Paul said, I know whom I have believed. He said to me, he said, the angel of the Lord, whose I am, hallelujah, and whom I serve. Paul knew whom he belonged to. Because he knew that he was standing in this grace. He had access by faith into this grace. He was standing in this grace. It is made possible by justification in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. We all, all believers, have access into this grace. And we are standing strongly in it. Amen and amen. Look at verse 3. It says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. Hallelujah. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. He said, because of the hope of glory that we have, and the fact that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we are not perturbed by the kind of tribulations that we see. Because the hope of God's glory is that at the end of it all, hallelujah, we shall be with him. Amen and amen. We shall be with him in glory. 
So it doesn't matter the tribulations that we face now. We count it light afflictions. So the Bible says, for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are working together for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. Do you see it? A far more exceeding weight of glory. So we rather glory in tribulations. The believer glories in tribulations. The things we suffer for the sake of Christ, it doesn't break us down. It doesn't make us sit down at night and weep and weep and weep. No, we rather glory in tribulations. We rejoice in tribulations because we rejoice that God has counted us worthy to suffer for his cause. Because we know that tribulations also work at patience. Hallelujah. And patience, experience, and experience hope. The end of it all is that our hope, we will continue to keep our hope in Christ Jesus. And it says, and hope make it not ashamed. What is this hope? This is our living hope that Christ will come back and transform our lowly bodies into the fashion of his likeness. The Bible says that our citizenship is of heaven above, from whence also we await our Savior who will transform our lowly bodies into the fashion of his likeness. Our living hope is the resurrection of the saints on that day when Jesus comes. So despite the tribulations that we go through, we are patient. Hallelujah. And because of that patience, we have experience. And because of that experience, we have hope. Amen and amen. And this hope we have does not make us shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. Listen, our hope of being resurrected with Christ that is, our hope that when Christ comes, we shall be resurrected. That is, those who have died in Christ shall be resurrected, and we that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. This great hope that we have, that we shall be transformed into the fashion of his likeness when he appears, does not make us shame. That is, it does not disappoint. It is something that is sure to come to pass. So this hope does not make us ashamed. Hallelujah. That is, it does not disappoint. The great living hope we have in Christ does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost assures us of the veracity, the authenticity of this hope, because he has revealed the depth of God's love for us. Hallelujah. In our heart, the knowledge of God's love for you is what persuades the heart of man to believe all that God has promised. That is our hope. Hallelujah. Look at verse 6. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. You see how Paul is unpacking unpacking the revelation of what God has done in Christ for us. He says, for when we were yet without strength, when we were totally helpless, clueless, hopeless, when we could do absolutely nothing about our spiritual state, our spiritual depravity and devastation, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died. Listen to this. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ did not die for the righteous man. Christ did not die for the godly man. Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah. To turn the ungodly man to a godly man. Hallelujah. That is the power of the work of Christ. Amen and amen. Christ died for the ungodly. That is why you should never cast away an ungodly person. Every ungodly man in this world is a prime candidate to receive the blessing of what God has done in Christ for us. Those who think that they are godly 
and so do not need Christ. Those are the ones that miss out on him. But those who know and understand that they are sinners who need to be saved, those are the ones who receive what God has done in Christ for them, and so are changed. And we are such who also believed, hallelujah, and have become his righteousness in Christ Jesus. Look at this. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I want to even delve deeper into this very truthful statement that reveals the heart of the Father toward us. When you were a sinner and could absolutely do nothing about your situation, God, out of the depth of his love for you, moved in Christ to do something for you. When you were his enemy legally, he did something to transform you from an enemy, not to a friend, but to a son. How much more now that you are in Christ Jesus, brethren, when you were hopeless, without strength, without any help, Christ died for the ungodly. Why is it that in your life you cannot believe God? When you get into situations where all hope seems lost, where there, there, there is no help coming from anywhere, why don't you lift up your eyes to the hills from whence your help comes from? Your great help is in the name of the Lord. And just as when you were a sinner and you did not even know him, he did something about your situation. Now that you were a son of, of God, why wouldn't he do same? Why wouldn't you do the same and even more? And even more now that you are a son. Hallelujah. It is for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. You see, he's trying to let you know the commendation of God's love toward us, the outpouring of the intense, immense, and eternal love of God toward us was not while we were righteous, was not while we were God, it was while we were yet sinners, that is enemies of God, totally helpless, clueless, and hopeless. Christ died for us. That should tell you the mind of God towards you. Amen and amen. If he moved heaven and earth for you to become a son, to turn you from being ungodly into a godly man, to turn you from a sinner into a saint, what wouldn't he do now that you are his son? So the Bible says, if he spared not a son, but gave him freely for us. Hallelujah. Somebody finish the scripture for me. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? If God gave Jesus freely for you, why are you thinking that you will not give every other thing freely to you? He says, if God did not spare his son, but gave him freely. The key word there is freely. God gave Jesus freely. Nobody paid anything for Jesus to come die on the cross. Nobody did anything for Jesus to come die on the cross. God gave freely out of the volition of his own love for mankind. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? I do men always have to try and corner God with their filthy things in this life in order to get him to do something for them. And I'll keep emphasizing this all the time. When you listen to certain messages, they make you seem they make you feel as if you see God will never move on your behalf. God will not do anything for you until he gets something from you. That is why I've said to you time and time again. And I always latch on to the opportunity to repeat saying that if God did not spare his son but gave him freely for you he would also give all things freely to you. Everything you do in Christ must be done out of love for him, not because you are using it to corner God to do something for you. Amen. Hallelujah. If God could give you Jesus, what else can he give you? 
And not only did he give you Jesus, what he wants you to understand is how he gave Jesus to you freely. So why is it that when you need favor, you want to, you, 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 you want to corner God for favor? No. Don't let anybody make a merchandise of you. Bring $500 for God's favor. Bring $1,000 for God's favor. This is a seed to, to earn God's favor. Listen, there's nothing like that in Christ. Amen. The Bible says that we have access by faith into this grace where we stand. And I showed you that that grace is the favor of God. Amen and amen. You are favored of God 24-7. Somebody say to me, I am favored of God. I am favored of God. That means that God's countenance is upon me. He looks favorably upon me. He looks upon me and says, I am well pleased in him. I am accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. God looks favorably upon you in Christ Jesus. And he lavishes all that is in his heart towards you. The goodwill of God is lavished upon his saints. Amen and amen. No good thing will he withhold from you. Hallelujah. Again, I repeat. You see, you see how Paul is, is just unpacking the reality of the heart of God. In, in these few verses that we have seen, we've not only seen what God has done in Christ for us, we have also seen the heart of God for us and how he wants us to see him. He's not the one out to get us, the one out to trap us, the one out to punish us, the one looking for the little faults that we'll make. The one sitting there saying, you think I'll do this for you? If you don't bring anything, I'm not going to do anything for you. No. In the Old Testament, until you do, God will never do. But in the New Testament, we do because Christ has done. It is a finished work. Amen. We don't do to get God to do. No. Take that mentality out of your mind. You don't do to get God to do. You do because he has done. The only reason you can even do is because of what he has done. Hallelujah. And we do it out of love, just as he did his out of love. And love does not seek anything back. Hallelujah. Shadabaha, he gave freely. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's wrap it up. Much more than now. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. I love this. He says, much more. The word much more is very important. As it continues on, the thought process that Paul is pouring forth much more. That is, polos malon. Polos malon. That is, to a greater degree than, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. That is why the believer can never come to condemnation. Now that we are justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's why we say the believer can never come to condemnation. Hallelujah. The only reason the believer will come to condemnation is when he has lost his salvation. So if the believer cannot come to condemnation, then the believer cannot lose his salvation. Hallelujah. Do you see from the scriptures? Much more than that is to a greater degree. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath, from wrath through him. Through Christ Jesus. Jesus is our Savior from wrath. Wrath comes through the law. Hallelujah. He says, For if when we were enemies, do you see it? When I said sinners, I, I pointed out to you that the sinner is an enemy of God. Look at verse 10. It says, Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more 
being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Do you see it now? Do you see why we say the believer cannot lose his salvation? When you were an enemy, a sinner, you were reconciled to God by the death of his son. The death of Christ brought reconciliation between you and God. Much more now that you are reconciled, he says, we shall be saved by his life. What saves the believer is not his works. It's not whether the believer is a woman and wears trousers and puts on earrings and does makeup. What saves the believer is not how good he is, how many times he goes to church, or how many times he, he prays, or how many times he does this. What saves the believer is the life of Christ. He says, we shall be saved by his life. What says the believer is the life of Christ. Hallelujah. The life of Christ is salvation for us. Amen and amen. Somebody say, I'm saved by his life. I'm saved by his life. Oh, talk to me, faith generation. Tell me, I'm saved by his life. I'm saved by his life. Hallelujah. Do you see it now? Do you see it now? Amen and amen. What are we saved by? By his life. We are not saved by our own works. We are not saved by the things we do. We are not saved by this, by that. We are saved by his life, by the life of Christ. Amen and amen, which is given unto us. That is eternal life. You can't lose it. Hallelujah. You can't. It's impossible. You see, do you now see why we say once saved, forever saved? We don't make that statement out of vacuum, like I always say. And we don't say it just to feel good about ourselves or repeat something we have heard. No, we say it because from the understanding of the scriptures. Amen and amen. When we exegete the text, this is the conclusion we come to. Hallelujah. Because there is no other conclusion to come to from the revelation of the text. Amen and amen. The believer, Shadabaye, is saved by the life of Christ. And look at this in verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received the atonement. Hallelujah. We joy in Christ because we have now received the atonement. Remember what we said about the atonement? Anybody remember what we said about the atonement? Hallelujah. The word atonement there comes from the Greek word katalage. That is the exchange. That is restoration. Amen and amen. Restoration to the divine favor of God. The exchange. Listen, the, the, the gospel message is a message about the great imputation and the great exchange. The Bible says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we call divine exchange. Christ took my place. And I took his place. Hallelujah. He became a sinner that I may become a son. Jesus. So whatever thing that Christ, whatever Christ was enjoying before he took on human flesh, I am enjoying now. That is why the Bible says that he has raised us to sit together with him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and dominion of darkness. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. The Bible says that Jesus emptied himself of all reputation and became a man of us. Of all his reputation, he emptied himself. The glory he once had with the Father, we have come into. Hallelujah. It's a restoration of divine favor. We've come into the place of God's favor. We've come into the place where God's countenance looks upon us favorably. Amen and amen. Now, when you look upon a man favorably, 
what do you do? You provide all things that a man requires. And that's exactly what God has done in Christ for us. The great exchange. He took my place that I might take his place. Remember the song? He walked where I walked. He walked where I walked. He stood where I stand. He stood where I stand. You, you remember that song? Yeah. God with us. So close. He's talking about Jesus. Emmanuel. He's talking about Jesus. He took our place that we may take his place. Just as he is a son, we have become sons. That is the great exchange that has taken place in the spirit. Hallelujah. That has taken place in the spirit. Amen. So this is the thing. Not only have we taken upon the nature of Christ, we've also taken upon the place of Christ. That means where Christ was standing, that is where we stand now. In the place of God's favor, that is where we stand now. In the place of God's power, that is where we stand now. In the place of God's authority, that is where we stand now. Hallelujah. We stand there. Over there, curses can prevail. Can curses prevail over Christ Jesus? Absolutely no. Curses can prevail over you. That is the end of family curses. That is the end of ancestral curses. That is the end of, uh, what do you call it? There's this popular way they use. I've forgotten the name. Anybody can remember me? Something like ancestral curses or something like that. Family cycle curses or whatever. I don't know. I've forgotten the name, the, the, the term they use. Anybody can remind me? Other than? Generational curses. Generational curses. That's the end of generational curses. Your generation now, when we trace the, your history, we don't trace your history to your natural blood. The Bible says that, but as many as received them to them, it gave power to become the sons of God. People not born of flesh and blood, people born of God. When we trace your history, it is to only one person, God. That is your history. There are no spiritual grandchildren and great-grandchildren in, in God. We are all sons. Our Father is one. That is God. Hallelujah. The Christian that was born, became born again. The person who became born again today and the person who has been born again for many years is as much a son of God as you are. You are in the same place as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, everybody else. We are all sons of God. Our Father is one. When we trace your spiritual history, it is not tied to that pot in your mother's village. It is not tied to that altar in your mother's village. That thing that was pursuing your father and your mother that wants to pursue you now, it cannot. The only reason it does is because of our ignorance. And the devil will always latch onto our ignorance and deal his deadly blows. But I said to you, the day you got born again, that was the day generational curses ended in your life. You were removed from the candidacy of generational curses. You were removed from that pool of candidates. You are removed from it. You don't belong there anymore. Somebody say to me, I don't belong there anymore. Yeah, I don't belong there anymore. Now, how do you apply this truth in your life? You do it by when you face issues in your life, your first thought should not be, hey, maybe it is from my father's house. What happened to my mother is what is trying, what is happening to me now? Hmm. Let me go and look for a pastor to break the curse over my life. Immediately, you have submitted yourself for, for the devil to have a few day. You rise up and you say, in the name of Jesus, I am in Christ now. My generation is only God. That's my generation. Your family members are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> Paul and Apostle Peter. Jesus is your blood brother. Do you understand that? 
Bible says that therefore he's not ashamed to call us his brethren. That is the truth. Jesus is your brother. Look at the family you belong to. The only reason is you you identify yourself more with the flesh than with the spirit. That is why. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. I'm not a candidate for generational curses. Amen. I said I'm not a candidate for generational curses. I'm not a candidate. There is no curse in God. So the only thing that flows out of my family line to me is blessings because God is blessed and he's full of blessings. And that's the only thing that flows to me. Hallelujah. I'm blessed beyond measure. Amen. I stand favored on every side. Amen. Listen, until you take the weapons of this truth to handle the deception of darkness, the devil will always have a field day over your life. And and preachers who lack understanding will always confuse you until you come into this truth. They will convince you that there is a generational curse over your life. And you will believe it. You will believe it because you submitted your heart to it. But if you hold on to this truth and say, no, that day I got born again, that day that great exchange happened, I was removed from the pool of candidates for that family case. It belongs to them, not me. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes the way we talk about the devil and the family curses and, and, and witches and wizards and all those kinds of things, the way we talk about them is as if they are more powerful than the power of God. That's our problem. That's our problem. That's our problem. But I pray that the truth of God will set you free in your mind in Jesus' name. May the truth of God's mind. Hallelujah. Somebody say with me, I am free. I am free. Yes, isn't They will try and try and try. Unless you give in to them, it will not amount to anything. If you understand, you must consistently live in the reality of who you have now become in Christ. Understand this. See, these things we are saying, we did not just say them out of vacuum. We said it exegeting, exegeting the text of truth, which we read, Romans chapter number 5, verse 1 to 11. The Holy Spirit showing us what God has done in Christ for us. And that is our reality. That is where we live. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice and begin to give praise to God. Begin to thank God. Come on. Lift up your voice. Begin to thank God. Thank God for the great blessing that we have in Christ. Come on. Lift up your voice and begin to bless your Father.